This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It is Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you, so enjoy those on us. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is free. So enjoy. freetalklive.com. We'll start things out by going right to your phone calls about anything. It's Brian in New Hampshire on the AMP line. Hello, Brian. Hey, guys. There's something I want to talk about, but there's uh, something I've been meaning to bring up for a while. Okay. And that is uh, the... Um, uh, uh, when I uh, make a call and talk to you guys, there's something in the phone system that, that I can't really hear back from you when you start, you know, uh, talking while I'm talking as well, you know, like a normal telephone call. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so, well, just, just like that. I, I, it sounds kind of like you're talking, but I, I think I might be talking over you. It's very strange. I don't know uh, what to do about that, but uh, here we are. So what's on your <laughs> mind tonight? Okay, you just have to be had. Uh, everybody has to be careful, and and you know when when someone goes on a rant, that's especially when it starts happening. You know they'll be talking and not even know that you know you're trying to interrupt. Right. So, uh, so uh, uh, I want to talk about uh, a fence. Now uh, we moved here about a year ago as part of the Free State Project, and uh, bought this house here and bought it uh, sight unseen. Uh, I just had a couple of days to make the decision. It was such a great, uh, great deal. I really didn't care what the house looked like mm-hmm. uh, because I was buying the place for the land. Gotcha. So I got, I got here in the house. You know, didn't exceed my expectations. That's for sure. <laughs> and so for the past year, we've been basically rebuilding it. I mean, the, the bones are pretty good, but you know, new plumbing, new uh, uh, you know insulation, new walls, right. old walls taken out, new paint. You know, pretty much everything is new. Well, one of the things that needed replacing very badly was the uh, was a split rail fence, you know, wood fence out on the, the property line. It was just falling down and really looking really ugly. It was rotted out after 50 years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we, have, we also had dogs and horses and chickens, and all of them tend to want to go across the street, you know, when they see something that's exciting happening over there. So I wanted to replace this open split rail fence with something a little more Substantial, you know, so they can't see out to even, you know, try to run over there and see what's going on. Got it. So, so I, I happen to be in the town offices talking to uh, the uh, uh, zone enforcement officer. He's a building inspector, zone or code enforcement officer, zoning guy. And I didn't tell him specifically what I was going to do, but I said, you know, what are the town rules? What are your rules on fences? And he says, you don't need a permit. I said, great. Uh, how about setbacks? He says, nope, no setbacks. Height restrictions? No height restrictions. There's nothing on fences except they have one rule about a spike fence, uh, S-P-I-T-E. And I said, what the heck is a spike fence? And uh, apparently uh, if, if you know, there have been cases where neighbors have had a dispute, and uh, the one neighbor puts a really high fence to block the other neighbor's view or, you know, to do something uh, you know, spite. for spite. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, be careful. I mean, when you listen to what bureaucrats have to say, they sometimes recorded. <laughs> right, they sometimes don't know what they're talking about or maybe lying. So you never know when they're going to give you honest information. Oh, I recorded it. And okay. I asked him for all of his, uh, you know, uh, actually, I didn't ask him, but but he had a, his copy of his zoning thing there, and, and he gave that to me, and there's nothing in there on, under fences, and I can't find anything in the New Hampshire regulations on fences. Okay. So, I took the old fence down. And I put a new fence up. Uh, I, I want to have a, a, a bigger fence. Normal fence is six feet high. 
But, you know, if the horse kind of gets loose out of his corral, he can kind of look over a six-foot fence. Can't really go, you know, jump over a six-foot fence. Maybe some of them can. But, uh, you, know, we, you know, I want to make it a little bit higher so they can't even, you know, get, uh, you know, excited about what's on the other side. Got Just it. to kind of block their view. So I wanted to put up an eight-foot fence. So I was talking to somebody, and they said, well, you know, this uh, uh, if you put a fence by the road here where the old fence was, as soon as the snowplow comes by, that fence is going to be trashed because that snow is going to turn to ice, and it's just going to be glaciers going into your wood fence. So I thought, okay, I will put a two-foot rock wall on, you know, on the fence and then put a, a six-foot stockade fence on top of that. Okay. So that's the plan. That was the plan. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, we started uh, building this. I had a, a party. I put out a port 411 and some messages on some forums uh, last week. And so you sent, out notice to out the, uh, you sent out notice to the activists here in New Hampshire. As you mentioned, you'd moved up here as part of the Free State Project. So other free staters and liberty-minded people uh, responded to come help you build this? Yes. Yeah. Thanks for throwing that in. Yeah, so, I mean, these are, you know, I, I, of course they're activists, but I, I, to me, they're friends. You know, they just happen to be, we all happen to be, you know, moved here or live here, you know, all, and all think alike and for the same thing. So we have this great network that we can uh, use to, you know, kind of get people to help out. And, and everybody does it. Somebody has a moving party, we all jump there and unload their van. Or so, we, so know, Brian, is this a, a heartwarming story about how uh, the activists came to help you out, or is there some sort of conflict that comes up here? <laughs> So last week, uh, after we get this rock wall built and the uh, the first fence segment up, the road agent comes by, and he says, um, you can't put that fence there. And I said, why? He says, well, you know, because uh, I have to plow the roads, and, uh, and he was really nice about it, and this is too close to the street. And I said, this is exactly where the old fence was. <laughs> and he said, well, well, the old fence, which has been there for 50 years, he's been plowing it. Well, the old fence, he said, was, you know, an open spit rail fence, and so the snow just goes right through it. And, of course, with my fence with a rock wall and a stockade fence, you know, the snow is not going to go through it. I see. Now, I've got a lot of land. I've got a big front yard. I could very easily, when I, I, I rented, you know, augers to drill holes in there, drill a bunch of holes, put a bunch of concrete down there to hold these big posts in, I could just as easily have put that thing three feet back or six feet back or 20 feet back. Mm-hmm. If I knew that there was a setback because of this, but I asked the building inspector guy, and I have a recording, right? And he said, "Nope, you can uh, put it right in a lot line if you want." That's what he told me. Wow. So, uh, so what do you think? I mean, because you have a recording of that bureaucrat telling you what is essentially nonsense that uh, they'll actually pay for the the moving of the fence now that you've already put the entire thing up. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure it's nonsense. You know, they've got rules that are very bendable, and you know, it, it, they might say, "Well, you know, there's no rule about the fence, but you're blocking the view of the traffic because you know the road curves around my house." And so now they, they might pull out this, you know, blocking the traffic rule instead of an illegal fence rule. You know what I'm saying? My gosh, what are you supposed to do? What is somebody supposed to do? I mean, really, how are you supposed to get anything done? In this world where, I mean, you're not exactly in the biggest of cities. You're in a little place, uh, you know, in, in New Hampshire with a population of a few thousand people, I think, if that. 
And they're the, the everybody. No matter where you are, you run into these arbitrary uh, rules that uh, one bureaucrat says one thing, another one says another thing, and whenever they disagree, it's you who's on the line. You're the one that has to pay the difference. You're the one that has to make up for the for their mistake in not even not informing you correctly as to what their process is. And, and you're trying to even jump through their hoops. And you went and you did your uh, supposedly due diligence. I don't think anyone should have to ask any permission to do things on their own land. But you you went anyway and you. Asked Ask them, is this going to be a problem? They said no. Then somebody else says something completely different, and it's and it's going to end up being on you, Brian, to uh, to pay for this, uh, whatever it takes to to fix this. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's that's what it comes down to, exactly. So I, I, I found out from the road agent, who really is a nice guy. He's not actually a, a town employee. He's a contractor. They pay him twenty five bucks every time they send him out to do something. So mm-hmm. he's pretty straight with me, and he's coming. He's trying to come up with solutions. But one of the selectmen told him to go out there and take those posts out and drop them in his yard. Nice. Just, yeah. This so, is... so I'm going. We've got a selectmen's meeting on Monday, and I will report back to you uh, what happens there. It should be nice. The, select, the selectman told the road guy to come out and move your and and remove your fence and drop it in his yard. Yeah. Well, one, one of the the road, the the road agent told me that one of the selectmen told him, I don't know if this was in the minutes, I can't find the minutes there a few weeks late on the minutes, mm-hmm. or if he just kind of, you know, took them aside and, you know, take out, because I have this post every eight feet and then the rock wall is between them, I haven't put up the, the stockade fences yet. I see. Well, at least it wasn't completely finished uh, before somebody said something to you. Oh, what an yeah, awful story. Much. I mean, we, we, there was a dozen of us who spent all day on Saturday in the heat, you know, hauling these uh, two-ton stones around, setting them up, and, and it looks really nice now. So you're going to have to move the rock wall, too. Well, we'll see what happens on Monday. Let us know, Brian, and thanks for the call. Good luck out there in the world of legal land, the arbitrary world, where the government bureaucrats can just make stuff up as they go along, and if they tell you wrong, they're not responsible. You are. 800-259-9231. Of course, you want to sit down and spend a bunch of time reading through all their rules, don't you? You got That's all you've got to do with your time. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And those features include the Facebook profile. So you can become a fan, as it is called, by going to facebook.freetalklive.com. Click the Become a Fan link. That's Facebook. .freetalklive.com. This program is brought to you by the Free State Project. It is your best chance for liberty in your lifetime. People like Brian, uh, who we were just talking to a few moments ago, are coming here to New Hampshire. Uh, single people, married people, people with families, uh, all kinds of different liberty-minded people, individuals who get what freedom is about, are all moving to the same place and they're going to get active, and they are getting active, in order to achieve liberty in our lifetime. Clearly, we've got a ways to go. Uh, There's a lot of regulations and government control uh, and intrusiveness in our lives out there, and it's my opinion that the best way to be free is to be around other people that are of like mind and help bring new people to the ideas of freedom, and I think there's no more effective movement than the than the Free State Project movement for achieving those goals. So head over to freestateproject.org and learn more about it. Freestateproject.org. As we go to your phone calls about anything, Frank is in New York. You're on Free Talk Live, Frank. Hi, guys. I have two questions, and I'd like your comments on this. Uh, I don't know if you followed the news yesterday, but um, CNBC 
uh, stated that the current cost of the bailout since uh, over the last nine months since September of last year have gone from $770 billion to $23 trillion. And ultimately, there's no mm-hmm. end in sight with that. Today, I think Citibank or City Credit Corporation announced that uh, they need another loan or they may go bankrupt. Nice. Uh, and I, Maybe the government can take them over, too. Go ahead. I said maybe the government can take them over, too. Well, what's interesting about this, the government takeover is uh, I was under the impression that the bailout bill and the stimulus package and the, uh, I guess, reorganization emergency funds for industries like General Motors and things uh, were about two years' worth of GDP in, you know, 2000 nine dollars so so what that would be would be about 6.4 trillion a year since when we supposedly had a gdp of 12 trillion dollars about half of that was through financial activities and with the market down and the equity lost we've lost about half of our real gdp so this 23 trillion over nine months represents four years of uh gdp which seems untenable and I just would, you know, like to hear your comments on that. And the second question is this: a number of states have adopted. Well, before, before you go on, uh, one at a time is usually enough for me. Uh, yeah. I don't know if the numbers are accurate, but it it wouldn't surprise me if it if it, it were true. It doesn't surprise me at all. I'd like to point out real quickly that if you uh, fill a football field, the entire field, with uh, pallets of one hundred dollar mm-hmm. bills, you'll have a yes. trillion dollars. That's a lot of hundreds. A lot of jack. That's a lot. And how many miles would that be in the sky if you saw it? <laughs> it wouldn't be very far. Uh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be very tall. Uh, one one trillion. Now, of course, it would be twenty three times that. But that's okay. a lot of hundred dollar bills. If you did one dollar bills, it'd be <laughs> significantly more. See, what's interesting, too, gentlemen. I just spent about two weeks reading the BIS annual report, the Bank of International Settlements, and the econometric. Firms in the United States stated that we had about 1.4 to maybe 1.7 quadrillion dollars worth of derivatives. Yet the BIS reported the derivatives at about 570 trillion, which which is a lot less than or, which is a lot less. Uh, it's about two thirds less than what our econometric. Uh, firms reported here in the States. And what does that mean, Frank? I'm, well, I'm not an economics means, expert. Here's what I think it means. I think it means that all the financial institutions, especially AIG and the insurers that guaranteed the uh, securitized uh, loan default swaps, will be coming back again for more money. And since they deliberately made it a third as opposed to, let's say, the $1.4 quadrillion, uh, it looks like that there'll be need, the international banks, or what, not international banks, let me put it this way, the central banks will need probably three times the amount of uh, uh, capital to bail out the member banks. And I would assume that would be for, you know, Europe, Asia, and the United States. But alliance share going to England and the United States, which really shows how, un- inten- how untenable and insolvent, you know, this financial uh, situation is. And I'm just expecting in the next 30 to 60 days AIG coming around asking for, you know, uh, probably more money than the last time because they're holding the insurance policies on these securitized derivatives rather than just write them off as a loss, which is what financial risk 
takers and financial institutions that are playing. Well, apparently there's no more risk uh, in the in the financial world. Apparently uh, there is no yeah. more taking risks if you're connected well enough to the the government people because anything that you blow you can just go uh, exactly. to the, the federal government. Exactly. The rewarded. The yeah, they'll pay you back. Thanks for the call tonight, Frank. I appreciate it. Uh, it's kind of hard to understand all the financial terminology. I'm not really into all that stuff, but I do understand that the federal government giving uh, taxpayer dollars to private companies that are failing is a really bad economic idea. That I uh, that I get. Yeah, well, it's it's immoral, but I have to agree with uh, Frank on this that it's yes, and it's immoral. Yeah. Um, that it just you we just can't keep this stuff up. You can't continue to prop up these businesses and the the mistakes they make. Some of them might go out of business. Oh my goodness, are you are you serious? Some businesses might go out of business. You know the the, the, the world books, will continue to spin. History books are full of businesses, big ones that have gone out of business, changed their management or you know redefine themselves. That's what bankruptcy is. Four is to when you make a loan to somebody, there's a certain amount of risk that they're going to go out of business. That's why business loans cost more than individual loans, because businesses can go poof well, you and know disappear. What? Since we're talking about businesses going poof, I got an email from Barack Obama today. Excellent. Yeah, he emails me from time to time. Uh, it says, dear friend. <laughs> <laughs> As you read this, we're closer than ever to passing comprehensive health insurance reform that benefits American families and small businesses. Despite all the back and forth in the news because right now. Because he said so, by the way. Yeah. It's important to understand just how far we've come in this challenging process. That's why I'm holding a press conference tonight at 8 o'clock and writing to let everyone know where we are, what's ahead, and why health insurance reform is so important. Let me be clear. Although Congress is still debating parts of the legislation, we've achieved critical consensus on several key areas. If you already have health insurance, reform will provide you with more security and stability. It'll limit your own out-of-pocket costs and prevent your insurance company from dropping your coverage if you get too sick. You'll also have affordable insurance options if you lose or change your job. And it will cover preventative care like checkups and mammograms that save lives and money. If you don't have health insurance, you will finally have guaranteed access to quality, affordable health care. Because he said so, right? And you can choose the plan that best suits your family's needs. No insurance company will be allowed to deny you coverage because of a pre-existing medical condition. That's so great. if the insurance companies can't deny people coverage, what will that do to the rates that they have to charge in order to cover their costs? They will go up. And if the government is providing subsidized health uh, insurance packages in competition to the private market people, what will happen over time? The insurance companies will go out of business because they can't compete. And that paves the way for... We'll come back and explain in moments, if you haven't guessed. In an instant, the world changed for Lieutenant General Michael O'Neill. His staff shot before his eyes. Arrested for war crimes, he now faces a short, one-sided trial. The boundaries blur, the chaos returns. Somebody is going to die. The long-awaited sequel to Hell's Fair, The Eye of the Storm, by New York Times best-selling author John Ringo from Bain Books. Remember, if you don't like your world, visit one of ours at Bain.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. 
And tonight it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including updates. Get signed up and we'll keep you in the loop whenever you need to know something about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Com and republicmagazine.tv. Are you missing the real news? You can get informed and stay informed with Republic Magazine. Get your free digital copy now or order yourself a print subscription at republicmagazine.tv. That's republicmagazine.tv or you can call 1-800-873-1620. That's 1-800-873-1620. We're talking about an email I got from Barack Obama. <laughs> He's saying, hey, friend. I just wanted to let you know that we've achieved critical consensus on several key areas in the whole health care debate thing. As though there's any debate. Uh, I mean, the the issue is, in what ways will the government take more control of, of health care, right? Isn't that the debate? It is. I think that uh, it's. Um, I I think that the Republicans are kind of holding uh, off, you know, total changing of the healthcare system like a total change a big huge one um how can they hold anything off aren't they not in control of congress they're making a lot of noise well according to barack obama they've already come to these agreements mark they've uh this has already been hammered out it's just a matter of formalities at this point uh he's saying that if you already have health insurance you're going to be better off because you're going to be limiting your out-of-pocket costs well now wait a minute isn't the money that comes out of my paycheck Coming out of my pocket, or maybe because it never made it to my pocket in the first place, that's an accurate statement. Because when the government takes over health care, we're still paying for it. Don't let anybody tell you that it's going to be free health care because you're t- it, they're taking it from your paycheck, and then whether you use it or not, you're paying for it. So out-of-pocket costs are going to be limited. You'll also have affordable insurance options, he says, if you lose or change your job. Uh, and that means it's subsidized uh, from the government, meaning they are going to offer health care insurance packages, government insurance, health care insurance packages sure. at a lowered subsidized rate. And if you don't take it, by the way, I'd like to point out he doesn't mention that here in his letter to dear friend. Uh, he doesn't mention that if you don't take the either the uh, private health care packages or one of the government health care packages, that then they're going to jack to, I think it was 2.5% uh, from your paycheck or something like that. and Or if you, there's also a situation with employers where it's like 8%, I forget, I don't know, I have all the numbers in front of me. But they're going to steal the money from you and force you to have one of their health care insurance packages. Well, um, you will have the option of, of going with some other insurance company until those insurance companies are priced out of the market. Well, if they when they force you to get an insurance package, like if you don't, I, I see oh, what you're I saying, see. Mark. If you have the option, that's fine. You do have the option to go with a private insurer, as you say, for now. But if you choose not to, then the government is going to force an insurance package upon you. I see. And it's not likely going to be the private insurer's package they're forcing upon you. Gotcha. Uh, so he says, if you don't have health insurance, don't worry. You can choose the plan that best suits your family's needs, and no insurance company will be allowed to deny you coverage because of a pre-existing medical condition. And that seems to me right there to be one real big indicator of what's coming, because if a, an insurance company, which has to operate based on the amount of money that they get in and spend, you know, they're a real business, so they have to actually pay attention to what the bottom line is, what kind of overhead they're dealing with in their right. business. And the by people with a 
pre-existing health um, health concern are a big liability in that area. They are, and it sounds, uh, but when you say something like that, that these uh, health insurance companies sh- should be able to refuse to uh, to cover somebody, it sounds cold-hearted, right? It sounds like, well, don't you care about people with uh, with sickness? Don't don't you care about these people? Well, sure, but can't we find another way to care about people without having to force? businesses to do things that they might not otherwise have an economic interest in doing? Can't we take care of people on a voluntary basis through private charities where the people that are being taken care of won't have the expectation that they will you know, be guaranteed some sort of coverage, that they'll, they'll actually have to ask for help instead of uh, have this guarantee? I don't know. Is, is there something to humbling oneself and, and asking somebody to help out rather than expecting that? Uh, the, is there a difference there? To, to sure. You, I mean, the, the difference is between... <laughs> charity and an entitlement um and it's to me it's clear what this is going to do is if the government start goes into the healthcare business and offers cheap uh, healthcare insurance or subsidized healthcare insurance yep. all it can possibly do is run the higher priced insurance companies who they're then regulating to have to accept anyone right. who with a pre-existing uh, a problem they're going to price them out of the market and at that point then only the very richest people will have uh, the good insurance this luxury insurance that will be uh, that will be the only thing that that the marketplace can stand at that point and the rest of us will have to get the one uh, size fits all government the care. one size fits all government care where at that point that's you know you're it's socialized medicine sorry yeah, that is. and then when you have socialized medicine the government the government decides who gets care who doesn't get care um, you don't like it too bad if you're older you're not not going to get it if you're if you they run some analysis on you and you don't look like one of the ones that's uh, likely to uh, make it sorry now how about callous for you we, yeah you, you think the insurance companies are callous you think we sound callous because we're uh, suggesting that the marketplace suggests uh, wait until you know, some heartless bureaucrat uh, begins to handle caseloads. And that there's nothing you can do about it, because there will be no appeals process, because the government runs the court system. You you try to get the government to change things. Now, John Stossel has pointed out that he's no fan, and I agree with him on this, of the insurance companies. Absolutely not. They're in bed with the state. That's because the insurance companies' role in health care has been put in place by the government in the first place. Yeah. Because when the government came along and put in a 90% tax bracket, there were other tax brackets beneath that one, and it, try to imagine if you're, I don't know how much it was, but say it's a quarter million dollars. Try to imagine if a company's offering you a quarter million dollars, and at the, at that point it switches over to 90%. Well, they can't, and then some other company, they, they can't compete against each other by offering you more money because the government takes 90% of every dollar you make above 250000 I'm just picking a number mm-hmm. out of the air. I don't know. So they had to come up with some other system for incentivizing. So they incentivized with, well, we'll give you full um, full medical care. And then the next company says, well, we'll give you full medical care and full dental. And then the next one says, well, I'll give you full medical care, full dental, and full optical. And that's how they competed. So the government cemented in place the idea that companies should be should be giving out in, uh, medical insurance in the first place and then of course right. it worked its way down from the top to the bottom like everything does trickle down economics um, and this is what happens though when you get in bed with the state yeah, when, as, as a company happens. from a business perspective it's it's a you know it's it's the temptation it's the uh, the great temptation 
uh, for a business owner. Hey, hey, just pal up with those politicians well, I don't know that- and get them to put in some uh, regulations to protect you from those upstarts and coming in and, uh, you know, taking away your market share from you. Because that's why regulations exist in the first place is to protect the existing businesses. And so the business owners say, yeah, yeah, I don't want to have those new innovators coming in here and, you know, taking my uh, my business from me. Well, so forget- I'll team up with the state. They'll pass a bunch of rules and regulations that prevents that from happening. But then down the line, what happens? The state turns around stabs you in the back and forces you and says, okay, well, here's what you have to do. Here's what you, you Now that you're in with us, here's how you're going to run your business. You're going to do this, this, and this. And if you don't like it, guess you're going to have to go out of business. See you later. The insurance company, because it's a con, uh, a conflict-oriented business. I mean, people have claims. The insurance company has to approve or disapprove claims. People uh, apply. They, the company has to disapprove or approve the application. Mm-hmm. Because it's conflict-oriented, the state wanted to get involved in the first place. So they're going to do some regulation. I don't feel bad that the insurance companies said, okay, well, if they're going to do some regulation, let's at least be involved in the negotiations of these regulations. But I, I, no, and I'm not saying you should feel bad, Mark. I'm just telling you that's what happens. Well, they got in it bed was either with the that state. Or they, you know, they no, wouldn't have been able either to that offer or services at all. It was either, well, that's just it. That's just the problem, is that when the government comes around and does the first regulation, you, people say, well, it's the government. We voted for them, so we better do what they're demanding of us. And that's, the, that's where the problem, that's where it all goes wrong. As soon as you start obeying, then it never ends. So if the insurance companies had said, you know what, that's okay. We don't want your help. We're going to keep doing business anyway, and if you don't like it, you can send cops in and throw us all in jail cells. That would have been the only way to stop the uh, the regulatory situation from becoming what it is today. But because nobody has any courage, they're not willing to take a risk, they don't see what the long-term uh, consequences are of these things, so they just go along to get along, and this is what you get when you go along to get along. With the, the Jews in Nazi Germany, it was, uh, you know, they were burned to death and uh, all other horrific things. The same thing's happening to these companies, in a way. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program, then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase, whatever you need to buy, whether it's brand new or even used. You can find it, most likely, at amazon.freetalklive.com. Let's go right back to your calls. Fred is in Michigan, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Fred. Fred, in Michigan, going once. Fred. I hear him. Hello, can you hear me? You are on here, Fred. Go ahead. Uh, Before I get to my main topic, uh, could you please, the next time you have Sam on as a guest or on the third mic, could you please ask him to please get a little closer to the microphone? Because I have trouble hearing Sam for some reason, and everybody else comes through fine. Okay. Yeah, he should be in a little bit later on tonight. Uh, usually I do have to turn his mic up. He's a very soft-spoken man. Uh, so I'll yeah. let him know that he needs to project a little more. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Tell him to eat the mic. Um, I'm, I'm calling about a, a caller uh, that you had, I think it was Saturday night. I, I always listen on the podcast, so I'm a little bit behind. But I think you were a little unfair. I think his name was Eli, but don't quote me on that. But the topic that he had was that he basically stated, and, and Mark agreed, that you get the government that you deserve. Um, I don't know if that's ringing a bell or not. Yeah, it yeah. sounds vaguely familiar. Okay. But my point was that, Ian, you immediately jumped into, well, what do you want to do about it? Uh, you know what? What's your solution? And and the gentleman's point was simply, in, in America, I mean, where we all live, if you want to recognize it as such, 
we have the government that we deserve. That it, through the political process, things could be different, but they're not because this is the way people want it. Now, but that's, is that it. true? Is that really true? I don't know about that because Mark, you'd said that night that you don't get, you don't have the government that you feel that you want or want deserve, and uh, there are most people don't even vote uh, in most elections. So, uh, how is it that you can make the conclusion that this is what most people want? How 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 do you, how, do you, how can you be so sure? I I don't think I said most people. You said people. Um, what people want, right? I'm sorry. Well, uh, if if enough people wanted things to be different, they could be different. I don't. I think, was, I, I, think I think you're generally right about that. In that they could just change the way they behave, as we've talked about. I think that mass civil disobedience could really change a lot of things. But if you're talking about working within the system, I don't know about that because the system is designed to stay as is and get uh, bigger. It's not really designed to allow people to take it over and and cut it down to size. Well, I don't really think I can agree with you, because uh, for, on most of the topics, I, I agree with uh, Ian more so than uh, Mark. Wow. Um, I know. Um, but uh, if, if the three of us got together and we wanted to uh, uh, change things through the political process, and we got enough people to do that, then things could be changed in the political process. But people have been doing, have been claiming that's what they, their goal has been for decades. And oh, I understand. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's realistically could be done. I'm saying theoretically it could be done. It, well, there's a that's a there's a big the, there's a big ocean between realistically and theoretically. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the incumbents have tremendous advantage. They have the ability to, uh, for instance, use the post office to send all the free propaganda they want out there. The media is in their back pocket. Uh, they you know they own the the elections lock, stock, and barrel, and you can't even get uh you you can't even get into the political parties' races without being some sort of hobnobber that goes in there and uh, basically bows down to the man. Uh, look what happened to the Ron Paul guys. I mean, they had a real good concerted effort, well-funded effort to get in there and try to get the Ron Paul in, in as the Republican candidate, who I think need, I think we would all agree would have been a would have been a great thing. Uh, but they stopped they stopped those folks at every possible turn. They they shut down the conventions to stop these people from from coming in and infiltrating and using the system to change the system. It's just not designed that way. So theoretically, maybe, but I don't even know about theoretically. Well, no, theoretically, it's it's possible. Realistically, how? I agree with you. Okay, if, okay, if, but theoretically, how no, would you do it? Go ahead, run me through it. Theoretically, if you could get 100% of the people in the <laughs> nation to vote a certain way, then you would have what you, you know, a, potentially whatever those, you know. Well, but right, that, okay, to, yes, that's a, that's a true statement, but by that statement, you can also say that if you've got 100% of the people that will vote a certain way, you don't have to vote anymore. You can just change things right off the bat, because the, if you have 100% of the people in that particular, whatever the viewpoint is that you're promoting, then you've no reason to even go to the ballot box. You can just, all of a sudden, everybody will walk out of their government job and, uh, you know, we'll have liberty. That's why it's a theory, and, and it's not realistic, and it will so never happen. So what's the point of this conversation? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making is that it's hopeless in the United States of America. It is absolutely hopeless because overall, the general uh, American is an idiot and wants to be taken care of by the government because that's the type of government we have and that's the type of government that uh, we.
we deserve basically because but that's uh, not, I don't know if I agree with you there. I think it's I think it's a very uh, hoity-toity thing to say. Well, those other Americans are stupid. Uh, I don't many, know if that's the, I don't know if that's true. I think yes. that uh, there's a variety yeah. of intelligence levels out there, and I think that there's some very very smart people that want government in their lives. Uh, that they you know they just haven't come to the same conclusions that we have. It's just a it's an information problem. I don't think it's a stupidity problem. I don't think it's an information problem. I think that the uh, the generations have come up, and and ever since. Really, well, obviously the Federal Reserve was, was a huge thing, but the worst piece of legislation in the 20th century was the Social Security Act. That piece of legislation made everybody from that point forward that was born or anybody that got into that system look to the state to take care of them. I won't disagree with you there. I think you're absolutely right about that. But And it, and it, and it grows and grows and grows. So then what do you get from there? You get Medicare. Okay, well, now we need to take care of old people's medical problems. Okay, then we have Medicaid. Well, what about sure. poor people? We have to have Medicaid to take care of poor people, people who don't have insurance, and on and on and on. And then you have welfare programs. You don't have private charities taking care of what you do, but the government needs to step in. And the Social Security Act was the worst piece of legislation in the 20th century, in my opinion. And the majority of people look to government to take care of them. You, it's true. You don't. Mark that's what government it. counts on. You're right about that. That's that's why that's why they're so powerful because they have uh, abrogated people's responsibilities uh, from them and taken them over, and then people get used to that. As you're saying, generation after generation, it just get the problems get worse. I think it's a difficult position to argue that the uh, the people people don't have the government that they deserve. That um, I I'm of the opinion that I don't have the government that I deserve, and that's really. What the government does is the government destroys the rights of the individual. It brings it down to the lowest common denominator. I mean, it, it, everybody that wants to be taken care of is now forcing everyone who doesn't want to be taken care of to take care of them through this system. And that's exactly. what and it's so established that if you try to change it, there the outcry is incredible. I made the point uh, on a, a local talk show here, the the morning show during the week on WKBK. Uh, about getting rid of the federal government, I said, "Well, what what the hell do we need this for?" And after reaching for a little bit, the uh, the host said, "Well, there are people that receive Social Security." So it was yeah. that was that was the objection, right? Because people are already hooked on the dole, the dole should never go away. That's that's the idea. Uh, no, yeah, I, don't, I don't I don't know that it will. Yeah, I don't know that it will either, and I just don't care if it, if it keeps going on. It doesn't bother. It doesn't matter to me as long as they leave me alone. That's the most important part. Just leave me and my friends alone that want to be left alone. And eventually, I hope they will learn that. I hope they learn that as it uh, continues to cost them more and more to put the liberty activists up here in jail. Uh, they've spent thousands of dollars here in New Hampshire so far this year just uh, putting peaceful people behind bars. Obviously, they have a lot more they can spend. So I don't know how close we are to you know the the financial crumbling of the New Hampshire state government, but eventually it can't last forever. This, this uh, treating people like treating people in the inhumane fashion that government does uh, can't go on forever. The more we get people together, the more likely we will get uh, something changed. And what those methods will be to achieve that change, it'll be a mix. I think it'll be uh, civil disobedience and non-cooperation. And I think later the political system will follow that along because they'll realize that they just can't afford whether it's whether they realize what they've been doing is immoral or not i don't know because we've certainly pointed out plenty of times how immoral it is and they still cling to it uh but they may realize that they just can't afford 
to put these people in jail anymore. You got a uh, you know 25 people smoking marijuana outside of the police station. They're not going to be able to afford to put those folks in jail for you know 20 or 30 days each. So I think things can change. I think you're I think you're generally right that people have been uh, suckered into this system and they're they're caught there and they've been dumbed down. I think that's all true, but I don't think it's a hopeless case. Uh, I am an eternal optimist about this. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. You know. Thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up anything, and that is the point of the show. It's why we call it Free Talk Live. Hour number two is on the way. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. As we launch again here to the second hour of the show, 800-259-9231, the website, freetalklive.com. Right back to your calls. Dan is in New Hampshire, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Ian. Hi, Mark. Hey, hey, Sam's here, too. What's good up? To, good to talk to you. Uh, listen, I, I thought it was interesting because I looked up the uh, definition of, uh, of spite fence, you know, that Brian Travis had brought up earlier. Yeah, he was talking about how uh, he went to the bureaucrats and asked, well, is there any, are there any requirements on putting up a fence? And they said, no, you can put up wherever you want, no problem. And so except he went, he, for except spite for spite fence. fences. And uh, <laughs> so you, you found out more about those? Well, it boils down to a thought crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. You know, it, it's 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 a fence that was put up for uh, you know out of malicious intent. And how that's, that's determined, exactly of course, is another question. I mean, I guess yeah, it, well, exactly. I guess it's any time a neighbor says they don't like your fence, right? I mean, then it's a spite fence. Well, I, you know, no, they have to somehow convince uh, some, you know, magistrate that, that you had malicious intent. I mean, I, there could be, you know, you could put something up there that says, you know, your neighbor is an asshole or I'm sorry. That's okay. That's that's all right. Go ahead. Oh, that's an all right word? Well, I mean, it depends uh, on the context. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. You, you yeah. know, or, or whatever, you, you know, that's facing their side, you know, or, Joe Blow is, you know, whatever. His mother's, uh, you know, who knows what. Right. You know, and, and you know, that, that would be kind of obvious. But, okay, I mean, sure. if, if it's just a tall fence or, you know, whatever, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's, you know, 
it would seem to me that I don't think Brian's going to do anything like that. But no. uh, well, I think that most crimes are uh, based on motive and intent. And if you know, you know, if you get down to the idea of uh, this 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 thought crime thing, it's not that the thought itself is is the crime. It's that uh, you know. Uh, the int- the motive for which you did whatever it is is the issue is is w- what's at issue. It's not like if I think about putting up a fence, that's the crime. Mm-hmm. It's the reason that I put up this fence and why I put up this big fence. In the same way that if I the difference between homicide, manslaughter, murder, um, and you know lots of other things, negligence and uh, you know malicious intent, all these things are should, in my opinion, come into play when looking at a crime. Well, you know, you could have, you know, a solar system in your yard, which is perfectly exposed to the southern sun, you know, coming across in the wintertime. And your neighbor, you know, maybe put up a 10-foot fence and shade your solar system. Now, that would be, you know, that would be an issue, I think. (laughs) Maybe, but but then again, I say that if you are concerned with what your neighbor's doing, you should move into a deed-restricted neighborhood where those sorts of things can be agreed upon in advance rather than having to deal with the government system that is, you know... You work with your neighbor. You you know your neighbor, and the neighbor's going to put up a fence, and, you know... And uh, you know how you know kind of what what are you happy with? You know I want to get along with you, so yeah, that's what I did. Know, I it, went to, yeah. went over to my neighbor and asked uh, how they felt about me taking down a fence, and they were fine right, with it. Right. So that's obviously the way to approach things. But I clearly, think that works most uh, of the time. But some people just suck to deal with, as far as uh, oh yeah, you know, no, right. that's true. Just, I, I, you know, and then you most of them work for the state. Reasonable, and you you move on. Thank the, you. Uh, the other thing yes. I wanted to bring bring up was uh, the Live Free or Die rally that's coming up on the 21st of August, and uh, it's it? uh, it's a, a completely free event. You know, they will ask for donations for certain things. This year, they're actually having it at a big uh, 350 acres that surround an inn that's right underneath. Uh, uh, Mount Monadnock. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a camping view. event. Uh, is there a website for that? Do you know? Yes, a livefreeordierally.com. Very good. I'll look forward to seeing you out there. And thank you for the call. Uh, it's I not. Mean, it's not a free state project uh, thing at no, all. That's it's, just New Hampshireites. It's just a local New Hampshire guy that puts that on every single year. I got to say, I love it. They do the kind of reenactment thing. Um, they they have reenactors. <laughs> I, I you know whatever. Are you gonna go put I'm going to go on a trifold hat. Uh, well, I would if if they had some to try hat. on. <laughs> I don't care. But they they'll have. Is that what you're going to? Is that your new hobby, Mark? You're going to be a Civil War reenactor? No, it's not Civil War. It's oh, really? Revolutionary, Revolutionary War. Revolutionary War. Gotcha. It's the beating drums and the flag flying in the wind that does it for you. It does. It, it absolutely does. <laughs> and they have the old weapons there. You know, you can get, you can uh, look at and purchase if you so choose old blunderbusses. I don't know how you what the plural of a blunderbuss is, but um, you know, it's it's neat stuff to look at and experience and see the people uh, in the the garb and doing their best to sort of act colonialish. There was also some uh, some controversial elements to the past uh, one of the past events, and that was because they'd invited a band that was unbeknownst to most people, uh, allegedly one of these one of the people in the band, at least one, if not more than one, uh, had said some very unfriendly things, uh, some very bigoted things on their message forum that they had for this particular band, and there was some uproar as a result of that, and some people were saying they weren't going to come, and I was one of them saying, look, I'm not going to attend this event if these people are allowed to play there. 
the organizer did, I think, the right, made the right choice, and he did prevent them from coming out. But at the same time, he was very reluctant to do so because, as he pointed out, this is a free speech event in his mind, and he believes that anybody, no matter how despicable they are, should be allowed to uh, to speak at his event. And you know, that's that's his event. He can organize it however he wants, but if uh, beware at anybody who makes a trip up to New Hampshire for this particular event. It is not a principled pro-liberty event. It is just an event that caters to free speech. So you may hear some very anti-liberty opinions at this particular event. That's why I won't be camping out or doing anything like that there. I might just come out for an hour. I think and it's fun. Um, and I haven't noticed, besides the immigration things. The anti-immigrant guys are there. Well, and you know, the truthers are also there. The, well, that And you know those those people have a tendency to, to sort of uh, travel in some of the same circles. I'm yeah, I, I don't know about uh, excluding everybody that you have the smallest disagreement with. In the I have one a big case, disagreement with bigots. Right. In the one, one case, you're talking about some guy that say, um, you know, basically was saying something like the the Jews are ruining the world. Yeah, one of those guys. Yeah, that's a problem. So 800-259-9231, we go on screen to the amp line. You are on Free Talk Live with Ian, Sam, and Mark. Hello, Hi, amp line. Hey there. Uh, this is Eric in Austin. Hey, Eric, what's on your mind uh, tonight? Going back through the the archives of, I guess, your progress there in New Hampshire, uh, and one thing I'm not noticing is in all the cases where activists have gone to court or gone to trial, it's never mentioned whether it was trial by jury or trial by judge. So I was curious, have these all been trial by judge? It's all been by judge. No one has, as of yet, appealed up to the Superior Court, which is the only place you can get a jury. So everybody in New Hampshire, the first round is just you and a judge. Really? Yeah, I don't yeah. know if there's a way to uh, avoid that. I don't know if you can demand a jury trial. They probably won't give you one. Only but... only if they, the charges are felony or Class A misdemeanors can you demand a jury trial. So and then even if you're going to do that, you still have to go through the district court first, spend all the money, that time and money there, and then you can uh, possibly appeal to the superior court. I'm going to have to dig up my copy of the Constitution. It's been a while since I've read through it, but I thought we had a right to a jury trial. Well, sort of. Not in, in New Hampshire. If, if it's over twenty dollars, is what the, I believe the Constitution says. And uh, you know, the fact is. These uh, they 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 follow the Constitution when it's convenient for them and when they don't want to follow well, they don't. You'll have a right as soon as you go through their hoops. You'll you have a right to jump through their hoops and go to the judge trial first, and then you have a right to file some more paperwork uh, that says you want to appeal. And then you have a right to pay them a few hundred dollars to actually appeal, or you have a right to beg them uh, for an exemption by filing some sort of financial uh, documents with them. I'm not sure what the requirements are for that because again, no one has as of yet uh, gone through with this. Though coming up here next week, the disorderly six will be on trial, and six six, six people, these are the six folks that were arrested after Sam uh, was arrested for the video camera incident. All of those uh, people are going to be on trial next week, and uh, so maybe some of them will appeal. Uh, maybe we'll actually end up finally getting to really utilize this whole jury nullification outreach that we've been doing, and 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 have you know have our legal land adventures in a jury courtroom. Actually, they won't be able to because all the the charges have been lowered so that they cannot get a jury trial. The only thing they will be oh, able really? to do is uh, file an appeal to the Supreme Court of New Hampshire. Toll-free number. So there you go. So you don't get any... Uh, if, you, if they don't want to give you a jury trial, then you don't get one. Did you have more for us tonight, Eric? Yeah, I, I'd like to we'll Bring you back. Hang on. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. 
Free Talk Live, your show. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Features including archives, the bulletin board system, the BBS has over 450,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. As we continue uh, taking your phone calls about whatever you want, or we will in a moment. I've been taking this uh, new vitamin called Choose for Health Super Fruit Complex. It's chewable, and this facilitates digestion. Digestion, as we know, starts in the mouth. Um, It contains berries and uh, is uh, among the other vitamins that are there. But berries are a great antioxidant, and uh, they eliminate free radicals. You can uh, go check out this vitamin at orderchoose.com. That's orderchoose.com. Or you can call 1-800-217-5977, orderchoose.com. As we continue and go to or back to Eric in Texas, you had some more thoughts for us. So go ahead, Eric. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about uh, the, the apparent lack of jury trials in New Hampshire, and I was wondering if you if you guys felt that that was hampering the progress of the uh, <clears throat> of the activism up there. The fact that I mean, you're doing all this media outreach. Uh, and what good is it if the guys who are getting arrested for their activism can't even get in front of a jury? It's not helping. Well, I think the I think the Fiji outreach is valuable because it helps people understand what jury nullification is, and the hope there is that what we're what we're doing for those that don't know, and I've actually written an article to uh, kind of an essay to Fiji, the fully informed jury association. Uh, I've written them an article ex- expounding and explaining what it is that we do out here in Keene, New Hampshire, because I don't. I don't know if this goes on anywhere else across the country. I've certainly never heard of it being done. Uh, but we go at about uh, 8, 8 o'clock in the morning once a month because it's a small area of New Hampshire. They just don't pick juries very often. Uh, so once a month on jury selection day, we go out at 8 a.m. and we stand out in front of the courthouse with fully informed jury association information, which sums it all up in a you know one trifold brochure, basically letting people know what their rights are as a juror, that they have the right to vote uh, not guilty, to come back with a not guilty verdict if they disagree with the law itself. That's what jury nullification is. And regardless of whether or not activists are going to court, uh, that is, I think, very worthwhile uh, activism because you're helping possibly save somebody you don't know. That's the idea. There's a good chance that some of those jurors are going to go in there and they're going to go on uh, be picked, selected for a trial of somebody that was busted for a, you know, a quarter pound of marijuana or, so, or something like that. And if they know about jury nullification, that it increases the chances that somebody will actually use jury nullification and help somebody out of a jam that, they, uh, that they've been put in by the state. Uh, whether that's actually occurred... We have no idea because we haven't monitored the actual trials. We don't have the activist strength uh, to do something like that. But I think it's a very worthwhile way to spend 45 minutes a month is handing out that uh, that FIJA information to people. No, I completely agree. But I'm, uh, So let me go another track. Um, you said there was a cost for the appeal to actually get in front of a jury. Uh, what kind of cost per case is that? Do you have any idea? I think I've heard it's a couple hundred bucks, but I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe more than a couple either. hundred. Yeah. I, well, I'm just curious. Like, could we set a goal for CD Evolution so we could see more activists getting to that jury trial? Well, I, I think the problem is really the the charges. I mean, it's the the police know that 
uh, we would like to get in front of a jury trial, and they're in charge. There's a law that says they can take any Class A misdemeanor and lower it to a Class B misdemeanor, and if they do that, then uh, you can't get a jury trial, and that's why we only have to go once a month because New Hampshire does not have a lot of jury trials to begin with because they've really kind of sequestered it off and and uh, kept those available to only to a select few people. But even though they have that law that says they can reduce it to a Class B misdemeanor, which doesn't supposedly involve jail time, it only involves fines, there's still that amount that's over $20. So clearly, I mean, at least by my interpretation, and that's what they'll say to you, well, that's your interpretation. Exactly. Uh, by my interpretation of the Constitution, it seems they're clearly violating it. But again, it doesn't matter what our interpretation is. What matters is what their interpretation is, because right. they're the ones that are uh, that are in charge. And so Their so interpretation there. is nothing like what I read the Constitution. To say it was, as far as I can tell, it was written in plain English so the plain people could read it. But uh, you know, the people that interpret it, they they're not reading it the same way I do. The last I'd heard, Jesse, uh, who was the most recent person to have a trial, it was just yesterday, I think. Uh, Jesse had uh, still had to decide whether or not he wanted to appeal. I don't know if he'd ma- he's he's made that decision yet. I know that some of the activists said they would pay the whatever the filing fee was. And, of course, the immediate response to something like that is, but then the state gets money, and that's the whole idea behind doing, uh, in, in, for many cases at least, in many instances of civil disobedience, the idea is to starve the state uh, from resources, not to reward it for having its tyrannical system. And so when the judge hands down a fine of $120, oh, no, it was $100 and a $20 fee tacked onto the fine, when it's $120 that they're demanding from you, and it's two or 400 or however much it is, it's probably more than 100 uh, to to go and take it to an appeal, then you're just pouring more money into the system. What is it? How onerous are the requirements to uh, to, be, to have the fines waived? Because you supposedly have a right to a jury trial, so there is a process to, to where you don't have to pay, but they're probably going to demand all kinds of uh, information from you. Whether they have the constitutional ability to make those demands or not, again, isn't going to matter, because... They're just not going to let you have the trial. Well, I mean, I understand that it, you know, it, it kind of sucks the idea of giving money to the state, but wouldn't it be worth it for the shot at getting in front of a jury and let you know real people uh, take a crack at, at these issues instead of letting Burke uh, rule with his iron fist? Uh, well, I think the liberty activists in New Hampshire who are right now going into court and defending themselves have a have a lot to learn, have a long ways to go before. Uh, we get to the point where we're really going to be effective in front of uh, a jury. I've been doing some things behind the scenes to kind of talk to them and and uh, teach them, you know, just basic legal uh, procedures and and things like that. And it, it's it's slow going because it's a steep learning curve. I also would say that uh, to some extent, the activism, the civil disobedience type activism that's going on here in New Hampshire, is probably still in the phase of, and maybe the later stages, certainly later than it was originally, later stages of trying to attack attract more people to be involved in that movement. And I think the more it happens, the more likely somebody is going to finally take it all the way because it's really just up to them uh, whether or not they think that that is worthwhile. So maybe, Eric, you'll be the first person to come up here and uh, do a little bit of civil disobedience and, uh, you know, blaze the trail. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. i got to get the wife to let me move first. Darn those so. wives. Thank you for the call tonight. Good <laughs> luck with that.
800-259-9231. Actually, it's not just wives. It's significant others in general. When one person has a real uh, burning uh, fire for liberty inside them and their significant other just doesn't have it to the same extent, if at all, it can be a very difficult position to be in as somebody who's seeing what's happening in New Hampshire and saying, wow, I want to be there. And then your loved one is saying, mm, I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah, that's difficult. It is. It's tough. And there are a lot of people that are dealing with that particular objection that would otherwise be ready to drop everything and, and move. They've, they've got that person that they love holding them back. That's going to be very difficult to deal with. You know, and uh, so much of what life is about is, you know, finding someone to share it with and all those other things. So, they, you know, I, I, I consider it a real issue. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But I agree with Eric. I hope that eventually we do get to see... Uh, what a jury trial is like in New Hampshire. We've not experienced that yet, so that certainly would be interesting. More on the way. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live, it is your show. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the point of the program. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you. So enjoy those on us, freetalklive.com. Also join Sam over at his website, obscuredtruth.com. Some really great uh, documentary-style informative videos that I think will be pretty eye-opening for people that have never seen them before. And if you have seen some of Sam's work, make sure you go and check it out to make sure you've seen everything because there was uh, you just put something up last week, I think, right? Yes, and I'm in the middle of working on the uh, Stefan Molyneux uh, Mark Stevens and Ian Freeman roundtable oh, that we did on right, the Voluntary the Society. Forum. That'll be cool. So all of that available, obscuredtruth.com. Guns, protests, smoking bans, biker rallies, comic conventions, pork fest, homeschooling, mortgages, pirates, hot chicks talking about liberty, and of course, there's the puppet from outer space, thinktwicenews.com. Go there and subscribe today at thinktwicenews.com. As we continue taking your calls about anything, we go to Evil Twin calling from Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, see, uh, our local station had a catch in his get-along in his computer uh, Friday night, and you guys came on at midnight, so couldn't call, but you were uh, dissing some caller about the idea of using acetone for uh, mileage enhancement. Yeah, well, we looked at uh, Snopes.com, and they basically cited some studies that said it was a bunch of bunk. Are you saying differently? Yep. Okay. What, what's your experience? And Lee, you, you, I'm sorry, uh, Evil, Evil Twin. Twin, you used to have uh, 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 an auto shop, did you not? Yep. What's your experience? Well, I can just over here, and I didn't have an auto shop over here, but um, there's uh, three people that all have, like, tool and die maker, machinist backgrounds and stuff that kind of turned me on to it. And I knew a couple people in the old state I was from, and they said it works. So I was chatting with them. They said, oh, yeah, three years of documentation. And uh, interestingly enough, in the wintertime, they get an increase up to from about three miles a gallon to four. We're talking Toyotas and Ford trucks and... uh, Volkswagen bugs and I mean everything in between probably. That's just three that I know. 
these guys, you know, are anal about their everything to the third or fourth decimal place. So no, what I, you're saying is your friends uh, have given you case studies of their own experience saying they believe this works, and you're saying you're going to take your friend's word over some science, scientific well, studies that, that were done over, you know, un, with controlled conditions. Because as the Snopes article pointed out, what we're talking about here is pouring acetone in your gas tank. Well, that's exactly right. The guy, everything that you read off on that thing was exactly right. It, uh, everything he mentions has a bearing, air pressure in your tires, everything has bearing on your fuel economy. But you get a real nice average over a long period of time of, it's an average. You know, maybe you're two pounds low on your tire. Maybe your octane was down because you bought old fuel from somewhere. Maybe this, maybe that. Yeah. But uh, this guy drives the same miles five days a week and has never had an issue. Now, okay. Lee, what about the uh, the bubbler thing that I've seen on YouTube that has a coil? Oh, that's on hydrogen? Does that work? We built a lot of those. In fact, we gave free classes to people. They left here with a unit that worked. What is this? It's some kind of bubble thing. It creates a well, gas. Well, the hydrogen helps. generates hydrogen out of water, and then it you run it through a bubbler, which is then inhaled by your motor. But so, if it's creating pure hydrogen, why aren't the... Um, <laughs> the fuel cell guys Japanese using Japanese have. I, apparently, they've got an uh, application that does that, and uh, there's somebody doing it down in Australia that's uh, got an application that is pure water. But anyway, we just made these, but there are people getting a really high enhancement problem comes with the fuel-injected cars. you got to tell the computer that computer's thinking it's running lean, so it keeps adding fuel after about 10 miles. So corroding so, Yeah, the... I run those, and they work, but... Uh, Acetone, my personal experience in my Jeep Cherokee was right at 2, 2.05. So what you're saying is that you believe that people uh, like the Car Talk folks have been bought out by, I mean, are you suggesting they've been bought out and that uh, the oil companies have essentially shut them up and that they're, you know, they're they basically, they're covering for the oil companies here by saying that the acetone thing is uh, is bunk? Because that's what they say. Well, I've researched a minimum of a 70-year history, clear back from 1974, um, of stuff that went back into the 30s. You always heard about the guy, Johnny Farmer, made the carburetor, got 50 miles a gallon and so on. Yep. So I don't doubt it. Uh, the history kind of dictates either you sold the patent, which never got produced, or you kind of just disappeared. But I don't know about that. I didn't okay. know any of them guys, but I can tell you. Do you know what uh, acetone actually is? It's a solvent. You're a solvent. Very good. I thought I was going to have to enlighten you. And the solvents, what do you clean greasy parts with? A solvent, right? Right. Well, the way it works is gasoline has, depending on your octane rating, anywhere from uh, 9 to 15 carbon molecules. And what's solvent do? It dissolves carbon molecules. Now, the thing people have to remember and try this for themselves, 10 gallons of gas, you start out with no more than 3 ounces of acetone. Now, acetone is one of the cheapest solvents out there, but you could use mineral spirits for thin and pan. You could use automotive solvents. Anything that reduces it, uh, whoever figured this out apparently tried xylene and tuline and all the others. And I have a lot of chemistry background because I was a metallurgical lab technician for four years. 
And uh, so they all break down. What you're doing is you're loosening the molecular bond so it burns easier. That explains why they get better mileage in the winter because your fuel is colder. What is it, Lee? Uh, what, what, what would you, or uh, Evil Twin? What would you say to uh, the claim? Just call me ET. Call me ET. What would you say to the claim that the acetone will dissolve the rubber components in your fuel system, like gaskets and O-rings? There again, I gave you. The recommended thing, I didn't get to the end. There's a minimum. You start with two, maybe three ounces to ten gallons of fuel, your choice of fuel, Mm -hmm. and you don't go over anything more than six ounces. So you get a baby formula bottle, what we all mix our chainsaw gas up with up here, so you get the right mixture, oil and gas, and that's to ten gallons. So you're saying it's just so diluted. loosening the molecular bond, so it's still gasoline, I'll tell you what, though, uh, if you have a car that has a real herky idle, especially when it's cold, that oxygen sensor within 10 miles, those things clean right up. Interesting. I I always appreciate hearing from you, and I thank you for the call tonight. So now you've got it from two sides. Uh, You've got a guy who has some experience in the automotive trade saying that this works, pouring the acetone in the gas tank. Two to three ounces for ten gallons, I think is what he said there, and then the you know, so-called experts are saying that scientific studies have been done, and it's a bunch of bunk. So well, who do you believe? The, the so-called experts do say things like it's very difficult to decide whether or not you're getting better gas mileage down to a small amount. And he was really only claiming two or three miles to the gallon improvement because of lots of extraneous well, factors. The other guy was claiming 30-something percent improvement. Okay. Okay. It's just there are various claims out there, and yep. who knows what's uh, what the truth is, and how easily will you be able to tell if this is working for you or if you're just wasting your time because of all of the different elements that that and come into the factor of the gas mileage. How are you going to know it's even working? It's well. Also, you have to look at the different vehicles. I mean, if you're looking at a, a Geo Metro, you're going to get significantly more miles to the gallon than you will if you've got a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, each of these each of these things would uh, would would matter and and there are things out there that you can do that uh, will improve gas mileage successfully like increasing air uh, air pressure in your uh, tires and mm-hmm. also there's new spark plugs out that I I got they're more expensive but they do help uh, with with uh, gas mileage toll free number is 800-259-9231 you're certainly welcome to add your expertise or your thoughts in maybe you've had some experience at this uh, I'm too lazy. I'm not going to go out and mess with that stuff. Uh, it's going to be a lot of work for a couple of miles to the gallon more. Yeah, and uh, there's also the fact that if you spill some of it, then you've got paint removed from your car. That's not something most people want. And as and if there's any truth to the claim that it's going to rot away the rubber gaskets and things like that, I don't know if I'd want to do this on a car that is in any way in good shape. I'd maybe do it to a beater and see what happened to that. It'd be more, more likely to rot away. Free talk a lot. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian with you. Hey, and Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show and get on more radio stations across the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. 
you can join up for as little as 3 bucks a month at amp.freetalklive.com. You get perks like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. amp.freetalklive.com. Continuing with your phone calls, it's Jamie in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jamie. Hey, what you doing? Well, hey, what's you, what you doing? We're doing a talk show. Oh, I'm out here with my coon dog. You got a coon dog, huh? Now, now do you actually go coon hunting? Yeah, sometimes. What's that like? I mean, do you, is that something you do all by yourself, or do you go out with somebody else, or is it just you and your dog? No, just me and my dog. Let's see. That's a good could, bonding experience. Can I get experience. to my point here? Jeez. <laughs> You're in a rush. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in a rush. He's going away from me and stuff. i got to get on the trail. Oh, you're out hunting right now? Well, I'm just uh, leading him, training him. You have a cell phone, Jamie? Told you so. You're moving up in the world. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. normally calling from your grandma's house phone when you call. Uh, my shows. grandma passed away. I know, I know. I'm so sorry about that. So what's going on? What's your point? Uh, well, uh, I'm talking about socialism here. Yeah, bad about news. About what the government's trying to do. Yeah. They then took over the car company. Yep, General Motors is now uh, the government company. That's correct. And electric. Uh, well, this uh, new uh, global. Uh, this. Uh, uh, they can. They got a right to. Uh, Take, you know, over your rights about electricity and all that, usages and all that. I don't know what you're talking about. What carbon is, tax. Oh, carbon tax? Yeah, the carbon tax. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, it's leading to socialism. Oh, we're already at socialism. It's just more socialism is what's coming soon. Because any time you have uh, centralized uh, command and control, government taking money by force and redistributing it, uh, you generally have socialism. It's just the the degree to which uh, we have socialism, socialism is what's going to change, and that's what's and, been changing. And as I talk to you right now, I predict a new stimulus package soon. That's a pretty safe prediction. <laughs> And uh, also that uh, this uh, this socialism yes is about what I've been talking about all along about you know what I talked to, to you about before right Re- wrestling New World <laughs> no it's a real thing now you won't be laughing when it's really happening when what's really right? happening the socialism. New World Order what Bush talked about. Yeah, well, what is the New World Order, Jamie? Can you explain that to me? uh, Well, uh, it's uh, together with socialism. That's what they're trying to do right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, also they're uh, trying to take over free trade. Where is trade free? That's what I would like to know. Uh, Well, uh, 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 were they going to put Mexico, Mexico, the United States, and... uh, uh, Canada together, the North American Ah, uh, the old Union. North American Union canard. That one comes back. I don't know. Maybe they will give that a shot one of these uh, days, but it doesn't seem like it's it doesn't seem like it's in the uh, the cards immediately. I haven't heard any even rumors well, on the conspiracy sites about that one recently. Well, I, I, uh, here's what I've heard that uh, uh, you've got your ear to the o- ground. Obama, Obama Hunting is coons. going to one of their meetings pretty soon down in Canada. That Obama's Obama. going to go to a meeting Union. for the North American Union. Well, he's in. It's all nations. Uh, it's a, I mean, not all nations. They're just going to skip the North American Mexico. Union and go to the All Nation Union. Well, when it comes together, you'll say I'm right. What? What? <laughs> what uh, b- before the meeting gets started, which national anthem do they play? Heck of I know. I don't get into crap like that. We are the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, uh, and also I like to just say uh, before I go. Yeah. Uh, this guy was talking about the fuel and stuff. Yeah, the uh, the, the acetone and the fuel tank. Yeah, I've tried something like this, but I use something else. What's that? Well, I got me a little manure at uh, Walmart. Cow manure? 
No, Chicken? a little bag of manure, you know. You they plant. sell that at Walmart? Sure. A little bag of manure you plant with and stuff. Moodoo. I see. And I uh. use a little uh, uh, vegetable. Vegetable oil? Just a little water. <laughs> and you might need to beep this out. I used a little pea. Oh, my. A little and I mixed it up in a blender. Biodiesel or something. <laughs> Is that what you're making? Yeah, and the cop told me all the time, I smell like crap. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie, for the call. I appreciate hearing wait, from wait. you. Uh, we take no responsibility for any damage done if you decide to follow Jamie's recommendations. To either your car or your blender. I wanted to have Jamie shoot his gun. Why did y'all let him go? Oh, man, I'm sorry <laughs> about that. 1-800-259-9231. We actually have had people call this show and shoot guns. In, uh, in I've past. never heard it. So. so It's been a long time. All right, Sam. Is Jamie legit or not? Oh, he's legit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a good old country boy. No. <laughs> he sure is. Come on now. <laughs> he is so good. If he's not real, he is so good. He's the. I think he's the best. If he's not real, he's the best character caller we have these days. We used to get a lot more of them in the past when we were on an FM talk station down in uh, Sarasota, Florida. We had some real comic geniuses calling in. Honestly. Yeah, back before back before we were syndicated, we had some amazing callers, and I, I think Jamie's the best of the best uh, today. Either that, or he's not a lot of competition. Some some hick. What are the two? I don't know. <laughs> Be nice. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything, and we will share with you a, a disturbing police story here uh, coming up. Well, I don't know if we should start it now, but we might as well. We've got a few moments here. William Gregg over at LewRockwell.com is sharing with us yet another incident of police insanity. Once a criminal gang wins so many recruits from the ranks of the demoralized that it acquires territory, establishes a base, captures cities, and subdues people, it then openly arrogates to itself the title of kingdom, which is conferred on it in the eyes of the world, not by the renouncing of aggression, but by the attainment of impunity, wrote St. Augustine. Simply put, gangs and governments do exactly the same thing, but the latter immunizes its agents from punishment. This explains why government enforcement agents, better known as police, so frequently engage in blatantly criminal behavior. And as Sam and I discovered this week, as I mentioned on last night's show, uh, it's right in their mission statement of values that they'll use discretion in their enforcement of the law. So when it's their guys that are enforcing, or when it's their guys that are breaking the law, they'll just use their option to use discretion and not do anything about it. In fact, sometimes it's uh, usually it's worse than not doing anything about it. Usually they endorse the violent actions of their of their gang members as well. That's our policy. Yeah. The officer is doing nothing wrong. Uh, explains why government enforcement agents frequently engage in criminal behavior. So whenever police commit criminal acts against innocent people, they do so in the serene confidence that their uncorroborated testimony about the incident will be accepted by judges and most juries as the truth. And after all, most juries have been trained, like most Americans, to just believe the man with the badge. He's a cop for a reason, right? He must be a saint. That's He's a cop. Cops are good guys. But not so much. Some of them are good guys, but it doesn't seem to me to be the majority of them. Uh, the only exceptions, he says, would be those instances in which audio or video records, uh, records rather, if such police or such episodes exist, which is why police have started to confiscate cell phones of witnesses and use wiretapping statutes against people who make audio recordings of police encounters. That fact was infuriatingly put on display last August 
in Philadelphia, not to mention display here in Keene, New Hampshire, as the police stole your video camera for, uh, from you, Sam, as you were in the public court lobby at the Keene District Court. You retrieved the camera recently and discovered it had been in some some way completely disabled. Well, no, actually, I don't have the camera. The judge has decided to hang on to it till the end of the trial. Well, wait, how did you de- how did you determine it was busted? So we went back in and sat down with the prosecutor. This is the only way I was allowed to look at it. I see. And uh, putting a new battery on it that was charged up, it wouldn't power up. We switched through a few. It just would not turn on. So whatever they did to it, they they destroyed it. Wow, and you'll you'll be lucky if you get some sort of compensation for this. Probably will, but yeah. So uh, last August 17th, a Philadelphia woman named Agnes Lawless was riding in a blue Mazda with some friends when the vehicle was rear-ended by a car driven by Alberto Lopez Jr., who happens to be an on-duty, or was at the time, an on-duty police officer. Lopez, the cop, left the scene, and Lawless, along with her friends, stopped at a nearby Luke Oil convenience store. Lawless was chatting amicably with the clerk when she was suddenly assaulted from behind by a male who thrust a gun in her face. He hit me with his left hand, she said, uh, and that he had his gun in his right hand. He pushed his gun into the left side of my neck. It caused a scrape-type bruise on my neck. The assailant had the same name as the officer responsible for the hit-and-run collision with the Mazda, uh, with the Mazda, Alberto Lopez. The difference was that this Alberto Lopez was the daddy of the driver, and like his son... He's a veteran police officer. After the younger Lopez rear-ended the Mazda, he went running to his daddy at a local police station, and the two of them went out in pursuit of the victims, not to offer compensation for the injury, but instead to deal out some street justice, even though he rear-ended right. her. There's not even, the the wow. word justice doesn't even uh, apply here, basically to cover their tracks. There's more to this story, and we'll share it with you coming up in hour number three. You can bring up what you want, 800-259-9231. That is the point of the program. Take control of the airwaves, why we call it Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. Hour three is on the way. I had a great idea at work yesterday. So, I gathered my A-team to meet online using WebEx. I passed the ball to Carol in Atlanta, and I created some killer graphics. Then, I passed the ball to Taz in San Jose because I write the code that makes their ideas work online. Then I passed the ball to Logan in Cambridge. I'm kind of the keeper of cool. And hey, it was cool. So now, my idea wasn't just an idea. It was our hot new product line. Created by our national development team. Spread across three time zones. And we couldn't have done it without passing the ball. Using WebEx, the only way to pass the ball online. Pass the ball. Get your ideas rolling. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 606 to get a free trial and a free retractable VoIPAD set. Remember that code 606. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X dot com. Free headsets available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. Hour three is what we are launching into here. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you. So enjoy those on us. Again, Free Talk Live. 
Dot-com. I'm going to continue a story here, uh, and then we'll get right into your phone calls about whatever you want. The story is from LouRockwell.com. William Grigg reporting on a lady who was riding in her blue Mazda with some friends when the vehicle was rear-ended by Alberto Lopez Jr., who was an on-duty police officer. He apparently decided to just drive on along after that had happened, and then later on, after they had stopped at a nearby convenience store, his father, who is also a veteran police officer, a veteran police officer, came in and pushed his gun into the left side of Ms. Uh, of uh, Ms. Lawless, Agnes Lawless, Ms. Lawless's neck, and causing a scrape-type bruise. So what had happened was the younger Lopez, uh, Alberto Lopez Jr., went to go get Daddy from the police station after he ran into this woman. And then, as in the case, according to according to Greg, as is the case in almost all such incidents, Lawless, the victim, was charged with assaulting a police officer. Yep. She rammed her neck into this guy's gun. And like most police officers in uh, such circumstances, Lopez perjured himself. At a preliminary hearing, he testified that after seeing the Mazda in the parking lot, he entered the store and ordered Lawless and her friends to hit the floor. Lawless supposedly freaked out, started punching, slapping, and kicking me multiple times. Based on that testimony, Judge Robert Blasi ordered that the case proceed to trial. Charges were dropped four days later, however... After the store's surveillance video was made available, the video corroborates the accounts of Lawless, her three friends, and Carlos Ruiz, the clerk who was on duty at the time. So even though you had right. several witness accounts, it wouldn't have mattered. It absolutely would not have mattered. Right, that judge was ready to move forward. What would have happened in this trial um, if if they didn't have uh, this videotape? Well, when you go to court, you're just a average citizen. When the police go into court, they're an officer of the court, so their word is automatically taken as being higher than than yours, lowly yeah, citizen. Even even though it's citizen times five, because it was her and her friends and the uh, the clerk. It, it, apparently, none of that matters. To these people. I don't know how many citizens' words would it would take to uh, outweigh an officer's word, but uh, you can uh, you can believe it's more so, than three or four. So essentially, what happened is he went and got Daddy, who came to the gas station and pistol whipped a woman. That's basically well, boy, that's pretty close. courageous. Uh, it shows the, uh, the so the video shows the elder Lopez approaching Lawless from behind, a drawn gun in his hand, and grabbing her neck. I was really confused, Lawless recalled. I don't know if we were getting robbed, or I didn't know if we were getting robbed. I remember seeing his uniform on his arm, and he swung me around and hit me with his arm. He hit me first with an open hand, and then he hit me with his gun in the face. According to Lawless, Lopez was shouting, You think you can hit my son and get away with it? You think you can F with me? Her account was corroborated by Ruiz, the store clerk. The melee continued for more than a minute, with the two officers, Lopez, working in tandem. After more police arrived, Lopez Jr. told Ruiz to do himself a favor and get rid of the camera tapes. Boy, that's pretty calculating. Pretty cold. What's that supposed to mean, officer? You're going to come back uh, after I get off work and uh, give me a good beating if the camera tapes aren't uh, made disappear? Scary. Good for him for uh, not cowing to that guy and actually doing as he was demanding. He said uh, that suggestion was repeated during two separate visits to the store by the police. During one visit, they urged him to help the cop out and testify for the cop. Hey, uh, Ruiz, you are going to testify for Officer Lopez, or are we going to have to find some meth in the back of your car? I, uh, I, I do, I'm, 
I am so glad I'm not this Ruiz character. Um, I mean, this poor guy is in for a world of hurt. He's likely going to have to leave town. In his initial report of the incident, Lopez Sr. mentioned the fender bender, but didn't identify his son as the other party involved in the incident, referring to him only as the witness. In his version, one of the occupants of the Mazda threatened to pull a gun on him. Furthermore, after Lawless and her friends were arrested, Ruiz heard that the uh, Ruiz heard the elder Lopez tell his son in Spanish, "Say he, that is one of Lawless's friends, had a gun. Say the occupant in the car had a gun." Lawless spent the night in a feculent, rat-infested in a feculent, rat-infested jail cell. Although both officers Lopez faced possible disciplinary action, the district attorney, after reviewing the matter, chose not to prosecute. Lawless, who later moved to Florida, said she was emotionally traumatized and now fears the police, an entirely justifiable reaction to the unalloyed thuggery and practiced dishonesty that resulted in her night in jail. She is just one of a growing number of people who can testify from experience that we should never believe the uncorroborated word of a police officer. Because they lie and they get away with it more often than not. Well, they can lie, and they... They're trained to lie, actually, in many circumstances. I, I, I would say that that's probably true, that they... Uh, you know, the, I, I, I don't think that one can say... It's, it's silly to say that everything that comes out of a police officer's mouth is a lie, and that's... It's not silly to say that you shouldn't believe everything that comes out of a police officer's mouth, though. That, that much is true. Right. And I'm sure that they're out there somewhere is some officer who has never uh, lied on a report or perjured himself in any way. I believe that. I and do. There's nine that have. Yeah. <laughs> For every one of those, probably. I, yeah. I, I would, you know, it's difficult, uh, but I'd say that the numbers pr- that you're giving is pretty close. I mean, I know that we've got some uh, some of the better guys, uh, thankfully, up here in this area, but not all of them. Uh, you were assaulted by one of the officers here, uh, Sam, in the Keene, New Hampshire area, and that same officer just last week threatened to throw one of the activists off the back of a truck. Yeah. And there, there are more things in the inconsistencies in the uh, police reports that I can't get into that will come out at trial. Toll-free so. number here for you if you want to share your story, 800-259-9231. Um, you know, my experience is uh, with, with a good officer that I knew that I, well, while I was uh, in prison for, you know, up to nine, nine years I was in prison. And, you know, this, this guy was a pretty good guy all in all. But he told me that, yes, he had falsified documents on uh, some guys that... Because he knew they were bad guys? Yeah, right, because basically he knew that even though he didn't get, didn't get them... With the goods on him at that time, that he that they had been messing around and, and he used essentially uh, you know lies and in order to catch these guys that had done bad things, and it's that kind of attitude that can really get people in trouble because he doesn't know <laughs> what these guys have done or anything like that. I mean, he's just guessing. It, well, it's a question of integrity. I mean, if you're willing to bend the rules and, and make whatever kind of justification you want to to say that. Well, because he did some things in the in the past that were bad and he didn't get caught for them, we mm-hmm. can go ahead and punish him this time. That means you're willing to, to lie, to compromise your integrity in order to, to get the bad guy. And that's where it starts. From there, it can grow out into other things. And, you know, that's not acceptable. Toll-free number again, 800-259-9231. Let's go to you and your thoughts about whatever. Let's talk to Daniel in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Daniel. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, um, well, first off, I'm a former uh, military veteran uh, in the Navy, mm-hmm. served aboard subs. But I just wanted, I, I listen to you guys, but surprisingly, I also listen to the right-wing talk show host. Okay. You know, your, 
your big guys, and they're always go- doing their specials about, you know, oh, it's the road to socialism. I mean, are they joking? Because, <laughs> you because, mean, are you, are you saying mean, they're joking and that they're pretending as though we're not already uh, in this, in this yeah, country right. socialist? Because, I mean, every aspect, I mean, you can talk about big issues like taxes, you know, et cetera, down the line, or the subsidies. You know, when you go to a grocery store, you're paying for that stuff before you pay for it, you know, as far as, like, corn, soybeans, stuff stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know if they're joking or what their deal is. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know any of them personally, so I can't say from experience that, oh, yeah, they're just putting on a show. Like uh, they're just trying to sell their brand of socialism, socialism. or something, because they can't be that. Well, it's just more of the blame the other team mentality that you so tend to get from talk radio hosts. Well, I mean, I think that they're probably looking at socialism as a continuum, because uh, you know, if the government was in some area at all, had any kind of control in some area, some guy like Ian, for instance, could call that socialism because he believes in no government control in any area at all. Isn't that correct, Ian? I would say so. Maybe. Okay, great. Um, so depending, right? And and whereas. You know, me a little further down the line, maybe I wouldn't call government control in the area of police to be police socialism. And these guys are just identifying a you know a particular area down the continuum as socialism. But the Democrats are in control, so now it's a socialist that's, government. That's what it is. It's an epithet. Uh, so if you've got more, you can hang on. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's, again, just in... It's just... Continuing to establish the red team, blue team mentality amongst their listeners. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. That is the point of the program, and it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com and audible.com is the internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which you can choose in every genre. They've got it covered at Audible. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. As we continue here with your calls, I believe Daniel is still on the line with us in Florida. Daniel, uh, continued thoughts. Go ahead. And um, anyway, quick story about the flag. Um, I pretty much agree with you guys where you stand with the flag, you know, not to impede anyone else's right to whatever. Um, so if it's, your, it, if it's your flag, the American flag, you should be able to do as you please with it with, uh, it's, right. since it's your property. Okay, very good. But, uh, of course, in the military, you do the colors and, and all that. But uh, one time when I was taking it down and, you know, you do the little folds and whatnot, mm-hmm. I slipped, you know, these things happen. Sure. And, like, I pulled my leg, and they were more concerned about the flag. And at that point, I realized that I wasn't going to re-enlist because I thought to myself, they're going to care more about this flag that, you know, I honestly didn't try to drop it. They're putting more um, empathy into the flag. So you said that was the t- at the point that you decided to not re-enlist? Was that over that? Yeah. That, wow. I mean, I just decided it was too cult-like. They, they, no matter what your problems are or anything, if it, if it like supersedes over their beliefs or their, you know, the way they run things, they got to run it like that. And if you wow, want to yeah. try to work outside the system, they, they won't help you. You know, it could be a family problem. Yeah, the military isn't help. about protecting freedom. It's not about liberty or defending uh, liberty. It's about nationalism and worshiping the state and following the every diktat of the people in Washington, D.C. 
Isn't um, so sort of from like uh, military history? Isn't the guy who's carrying the banner a very important guy in the troop or whatever? And uh, if if he goes down, then someone else will go get the banner and carry it aloft, yeah. and all this this that's, really that's true in like parades or something. But I was just like I said, I was on a sub and when we surfaced, it's kind of kind of a rough little ceremony. So it's but, usually just one one person and the other guy is um actually calling the announcement to make everyone, you know, salute or whatever. But you're, you're bringing that up, Mark, to point out the absurdity of uh, putting well, just, the flag above the, the, right. the lives I mean, of the men. You know, that, that, that somehow these guys would pick up this banner in order to be the, for whatever reason, the target of the next salvo of arrows well, right. or put down your gun. or whatever. You have to put down your gun to pick the banner up. Right, because the banner's important, and that just doesn't make much sense to me. Right. It, it gets carried away where we worship it like a religious... I mean, it's, it's good to have something to believe in, but when you put something, a flag, or anything above human life, that's... that's well, maybe that's the point, though. I mean, maybe the idea is to put the flag above human life, because if you don't have flags on the battlefield, and obviously they don't so much these days that I know of, uh, but uh, certainly that was what happened in, uh, if you look at some of the Civil War movies, they, they reenact that kind of thing happening, where the one guy goes down, somebody picks it up, somebody else picks it up after right. that. Uh, but maybe the idea much. is to uh, to have that going on, because otherwise, without the, the flags and the pageantry and the nationalism, then they might just figure out that there are just two groups of men fighting one another. That That is the idea. I mean, if you listen to the nationalists who get enraged over burning a flag, They'll tell you it's not it's not the flag it's what the flag represents it's all the people that have died for that flag and it, yeah it's it's a cult like belief and a, a, and people are very heavily indoctrinated into it and uh, they don't always think straight when they when they've uh, adopted that belief system and and have stopped thinking critically. Daniel, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate your time and. It's absolutely idolatry. Um, you know that's you know, what what we what they were we, we were warned against in the Bible. This that's that's what it is. The the banner on the battlefield is is an idol, and uh, people you know it, it, they worship it. Let's continue with Chris in Kentucky. Chris, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian Sam and Mark. Hey, guys, I just had a quick question for you. Yes, sir. I've heard you uh, put this uh, on uh, before. Uh, uh, somewhere in the Constitution, it supposedly states that um, the army is supposed to disband every two years. Well, where is it, that exactly? It's kind of like it's kind of like that. I believe it's uh, Article, Article Three, Section, Section Eight, eight. Um, and basically it says that the the army will not get funded for you know they won't receive funds for more than, for a period of more than two years. So they essentially have to every two years uh, re up the army, and it never disbands. But I I'm of the opinion. Having read the, uh, the 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 documents of the founding fathers, that they were by and large against the idea of a standing army, and that that was what the intent of the this particular uh, you know provision was. Would you agree? Uh, I, I would agree, and uh, furthermore, uh, I just think uh, that might be another reason why we stay in conflicts constantly and never actually declare war. We just go overseas and. Uh, we shoot other people and try to help other people, so they say. Well, I have, uh, I'd like to say I have never shot another person, so please yeah, don't sorry, include me. I'm sorry, I used the whole collectivism. I, I apologize. The Army has gone and, and shot other people overseas. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yep, yeah, it's a more accurate statement. And, and then again, then again, not even all of the army has shot people. It's only certain members. But yes, yeah, certainly it's the U.S. government people that have been doing those things. Uh, any other but thoughts it, for us tonight? Go ahead. Isn't it like uh, basically uh, per uh, perpetuating violence continually just to show 
maybe a reason why we have the Army and just to be able to continue to fund it? Would you guys see it that way? Uh, I don't know that I'm entirely on board with exactly as that as the reason. I think that the that it's the you know the military, all of it, the whole apparatus is a tool that is uh, used by well people that make a lot of money or get a lot of power over the use of that tool, and right. I. You know, I think that they, you know, they keep it all going. They could use the Navy and the Air Force just as easily, and these things wouldn't be considered, um, you know, unconstitutional. So I don't know that I think that that's necessarily the reason. They just don't care what the Constitution says or what the uh, the ideas of the founding fathers were. Uh, on these conflicts around the world, I think uh, the military-industrial complex is certainly having a play in there and pushing, uh, you know, leaders or politicians to go out and find conflicts because that's good for business for them. Um, at the same time, I think the United States government has been the bully around the world and had, you know, there's military bases in 130 countries, 700 military bases. And as the U S position or the, the seat of power for the world begins to falter, I think, uh, more and more countries are standing up to the United States and saying, no, we don't like your policies. We're going to trade oil in our currency, not yours. And, uh, the only thing that the United States government can do is go and kill them or, or take them out of office or, you know, whatever. Pretty much. Right. Don't you guys feel like we could save a, a lot of time uh, and a lot of money uh, and just bring the troops home that are overseas? And oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think you'll find anybody disagreeing with that on this show, no doubt about it. I would okay. go so far as to say the uh, military should be abolished completely, as well as the entire federal government. Uh, but, yeah, bringing the troops home would be a nice first step. It really would. All right. Thank you for the call tonight, Chris. 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bringing troops home, the U.S. military from around the world, from the over 700 military bases, would, you want to talk about sending a message? The politicians like to talk about, well, that would send the wrong message. Well, I think that would send a great message, and uh, the message would be that, hey, world, we've been wrong uh, up until this point. Uh, the things that this country, the government of this country has done have been uh, just inappropriate, have been wrong, have been immoral, and we're going to do what we can to make it right. And we save, what is it, a trillion dollars a year? Now, there's the money aspect, too, as well, beyond the fact that they won't be uh, intimidating people anymore. That's also pretty important. And stop meddling people's business. Yep. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. In an instant, the world changed for Lieutenant General Michael O'Neill. His staff shot before his eyes. Arrested for war crimes, he now faces a short, one-sided trial. The boundaries blur, the chaos returns. Somebody is going to die. The long-awaited sequel to Hell's Fair, The Eye of the Storm, by New York Times best-selling author John Ringo from Bain Books. Remember, if you don't like your world, visit one of ours at Bain.com. Show is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We have live streams. There's a broadband version, a dial-up version, and even a webcam all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Com. Uh, so, yeah, you can bring up anything that you want. In fact, Mark, I believe you have a story about how apparently in one state it's legal for girls that are under the age of 18 to take their clothes off. I suspect. Did I misunderstand? Let me read the article to you from uh, 
projo.com. Providence, Rhode Island, teens under 18 can't work with power saws or bang nails up on roofs, but dance in a strip club? Sure. Just as long as the, teen, uh, the teens submit work permits and are off the strippers' pole by 11.30 on a school night. <laughs> wow. Is this for real? It's enough to surprise even those in America's mecca of striptease and sin, Las Vegas. Everybody buzzes about Nevada and Sin City, tisk tisk, said Eddie Cartwright, spokeswoman for the Nevada Attorney General's office, but we regulate it. Providence police recently discovered that teen job opportunities extended into local adult entertainment world while they were investigating a 16-year-old runaway from Boston. The girl told detectives that she worked at uh, Cheaters Strip Club this spring, and the police got tips. Cheaters Strip Club. <laughs> I've heard of Cheetahs, but never Cheaters. I've been to Cheetahs in Atlanta. Police uh, got tips about other underage girls working at another club on uh, Allen's Avenue. That's when the police found that neither state law nor city ordinance bars minors from working at strip clubs. We need to pass a new ordinance to prevent <laughs> these girls from making hundreds of dollars an hour or a night. Because uh, you can do pretty well in the, uh, the stripping world if you don't put it all up your nose or in your arm after I... the day's over. I, you know, I, I've just got to wonder what's really the difference between an 18-year-old uh, doing this and a 17-year-old doing this. I, a day. Yeah. Or in some cases, a few hours. I mean, because a 17-year-old is, uh, you can be 17 in 364 days if you want, I think and not legal anymore. I, I had a, uh, a girl that I, I dated, and her sister turned 18 while we were dating, and the girl decided that I'm going to go to work at this club, you know, one of these uh, strip clubs, and I'm going to make a buttload of money, just like you were talking about. The girl uh, worked there one evening. And? Well, she was done with it. She didn't like the experience. Uh, because of the, it the wasn't worth the, lecherous uh, men? Hundreds of dollars that she would have made that evening. What was the experience? What part of the experience was so undesirable? The I, lecher I think that, lecherous I, guys? I think it was the lecherous guy aspect. And to think... You do off, have to you know, in, engage in conversation with some undesirable folks. A whole, it's more than conversation. Well, Women yeah, and rubbing your crotch make, on them. Yeah, right. Women do not make money from dancing uh, naked or, or semi-naked um, at strip clubs. They make it by, you know, doing private dances mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, giving special attention to these guys, giving them the impression that somehow they'll they'll get a little farther or whatever, hustling them. Yeah. That's how they make the money. They don't make the money by what I think a lot of girls imagine as uh, this more glamorous dancing. Dance around semi. the pole and they'll just have money thrown at them. Right. And, and yeah. you know, they get small amounts thrown at them. But I think that those are uh, mostly from the guys that are, you know, have some sort of feeling of equity and fairness. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. It, the, the, I think that it's women have a, uh, young women often have a, um, inaccurate view of what uh, strip club life is like. So the pole dancing is kind of like the advertising for take the girl in the VIP club or get a lap dance from her and pay, you know, then that's the, where the real money is made. Yeah. So she didn't like that very much. That's correct. Okay. Didn't go well for her. The average, uh, you know, upper upper, upper middle class white girl uh, trying trying out uh, an easy way to make money didn't didn't work out, and I don't think it's going to work out for. A I don't know how that. easy it is. It's a simple way to make money. Uh, it, I don't know how easy. I mean, if you can deal with it, if you can deal with those guys and putting their palms all over you, I guess in most clubs they're not allowed to touch you, right? You're, you're only supposed to. That's the idea. It all depends on how much you pay, right? And where... well, it depends on the state laws and, and yeah. where you go.
and the you know the the more you let them get away with because who's really policing this um unless you there are bouncers uh, there's bouncers but uh you know the only thing that these you know the girls have to worry about is is this guy a cop um yeah. and you know so the farther you let some guy go the more money you're going to make that kind of thing Right, right. Uh, certainly, it takes a, a, a unique personality to be able to handle that particular job. But if you can, there are hundreds of dollars a night that, that you can make at it, no doubt about it. You're saying that in Rhode Island, 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds can uh, legally engage in stripping? Those under 18 can't buy pornography, and no one may take <laughs> pictures or film minors in sexually suggest- suggestive ways. But the law doesn't stop underage teens from stripping for money. That's amazing. Even if the police saw underage boys or girls on stage at a strip club, they, couldn't, they wouldn't be able to charge them or the club owners with a crime. I've been doing this a long time, said the Youth Services uh, Sergeant Carl Weston, and I can't find anything that says that it's illegal for a 16- or 17-year-old Good. to take her top off and dance. Why should it be? Well, I, I've also got to say, how much of a problem is this exactly. really if this guy who's been doing it for years, as uh, this, this Sergeant Carl Weston, hasn't, doesn't even know. know this? Yeah, it, well, right. It has uh, society in Rhode Island, as a result of 16-year-olds being able to go and take their tops off for money, uh, has it completely gone down the drain as a result of that? How about uh, Canada, where it was legal up until recently for 14- and 15-year-old girls to have consensual sex? Uh, they had less teenage pregnancies than the, than the United fewer teenage pregnancies than the United States uh, teen girls did. So where was the, you know, the cultural uh, emergency there? I mean, it seems to me that when you allow teenagers to engage in... Uh, consensual sexual behavior that it's not the end of the world but it is the end of the world for them if they get caught and it is illegal and then they end up getting a rap sheet uh it wouldn't be the complete end of the world but it would be a much better worse situation for their lives having to deal with a criminal conviction on their record for going out and doing what they were going to otherwise do anyway because there's so much uh, that is criminalized about what teenagers can and can't do. And as you said, Mark, she can be up there taking her top off and maybe full front. Maybe it's full nude in Rhode Island. I don't know. He said um, top off, so I would assume not. But, uh, but yeah, she can go up and, and take her top off. But if you're in the crowd with a camera and you snap a picture of that, all of a sudden it's a crime. you've got child pornography on your hands. Yep. These, uh... So it wouldn't be a crime to, you know, uh, to, to have the girl give you a lap dance. But to take a picture of such a an episode, I mean, it's just ludicrous. Well, wait, a lot of the clubs have cameras in them just for security reasons. So are they breaking the law doing that? Maybe so. Maybe they need to be raided and have all their security uh, stuff taken from them. I mean, that's just the insanity of, of all of this. The, the inconsistency and the arbitrariness of the system that uh, that we live in. It's crazy. So are there any comments from the girls in this story at all, Mark? I'm curious. Um, they probably can't name them because no, they're, they're their age. They're, they seem to be uh, talking to the uh, cops. You could call them the Misty, use their stage names or something like that. Um, here's an interesting portion of it. Uh, other states have mixed encounters with the issue. After a 12-year-old girl was Whoa. found dancing nude in a club in Dallas last year, the city council swiftly passed My rules gosh. barring minors from strip clubs and automatically revokes a year for a year license uh, licenses for sex businesses caught employing or inter- entertaining minors. Um, an Iowa County judge ruled last year that a strip tease by a 17-year-old girl at a strip club was artistic expression protected by the First Amendment. The state I'll attorney general's office has asked the state Supreme Court to review that ruling. Nevada, meanwhile, doesn't let anyone under 18 work in uh, casinos or in public dance halls where there is alcohol, and there are no strip clubs in Nevada without one or the other or both, said Cartwright of the uh, attorney general's office. Minors aren't even allowed to deliver mail to brothels. Um, when questioned about Rhode Island's law, 
Michael J. Healy, a spokesman for the Attorney General's office, offered a copy of the current state law but did not comment for this article. So, Interesting. Yeah, I wonder how much behind-the-scenes drinking is going on at these clubs because in a lot of cases, the guys, it's my understanding – some of these guys that go to the strip clubs want to talk. I mean, they do want to have their, their, uh, the girl's crotch rubbed on them, but you know, they also want to talk to a girl because, for whatever reason, they just they don't have the opportunity to do that, or they don't feel like they have the opportunity. So they use the they pay a girl basically to be their company uh, for, for a while and, and chat with them very well. And during that time, uh, they will offer the girl drinks uh, in order to continue to have her company. And so I wonder how often the 17-year-old girls are getting. Uh, purchased drinks back in the VIP area. I mean, there's probably some areas in which the police could really push and find something to arrest somebody on here, but kudos to them if they're leaving them alone. I mean, good for them. I love this uh, last quote here from the Weston guy who said he didn't even know about it, um, and then he kind of sort of contradicts himself with, it leads to societal breakdown. These girls, <laughs> these are just little girls. Oh, please. 1-800-259-9231. If you're up there shaking it on the, uh, the the strip club floor, I don't think you qualify as a little girl. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call. If you make it right now, 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line, 800 800- Two five nine ninety two thirty one, and it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote us by going to promote.freetalklive.com. There's a whole list of things that you can do to help get the show on more radio stations and bring new Internet listeners on board and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. Our board operator has uh, chimed into the strip club discussion by adding the point that it's not uncommon for entertainers above 21 at strip clubs to be served fruit juice or colored water by the bartender. Good dancers avoid getting too drunk, lest it impair their ability to make money. Right. So I'd say that's true with the good ones. I don't know how many good ones there are yeah. out there. Um, I'd, I'd say that there some are, of them are very self-destructive people. Yeah, I'd say that there are far more of them that are claiming to go uh, to pay their way through college, uh, and uh, than there are ones that are actually paying their way through college. I'm not saying that 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 girl doesn't exist. She's out there, and yeah. there, there she has many friends. I actually are, met one of them. I actually met a girl who was in college that was actually stripping to get through college. Yeah, she I've, was really at college. Certainly, I've heard of them myself. I had a cousin we took for his uh, bachelor party to one of the strip clubs in Dallas, and um, they were we were sitting in front of one of the stages. Uh, as the girls were coming around, I would try and get him to take him up on stage, take his belt off, and whip him with it. <laughs> they wouldn't do that, but three or four of them would tell me, oh, I get off at 1 o'clock or I get off at 2 or whatever, meaning we can hook up and you can pay me afterwards to come and do oh whatever. My. Oh, yeah. It was... Very lucrative. It's very lucrative uh, for them. But, of course, a lot of them have uh, personal issues with substance, uh, substance abuse. There was even al- dad. A lot of them have there, uh, father issues. Sure. There, um, there, there were even allegations. I'm not going to say which club it was, but there was a club down in Sarasota where we used to live, Mark, uh, down in Florida, that was allegedly paying its girls with heroin. Hmm. So, I mean, just instead of giving them cash at the end of the night, they'd pay them with heroin because that's what they were into. It's crazy. Yeah, it's... <laughs> And the old kind of rumor about the strip club business is that they're used as fronts to launder money for coke dealing and things like that. And when you hear rumors like that flying around, it seems to lead credence to it. Of course, it's all unsubstantiated, though I did know a girl that worked for for that particular club. So who do you believe? 
Toll-free number 800-259-9231. Mark, let's go to the email box. So we've got to change gears here and go to a question about Quakers. Yeah, this one's from Bill. Um, he says, Mark, how do you feel about the Quaker tenant of non-resistance? It's a belief that's, uh, that defensive physical resistance to an enemy should not be used. If you don't believe in it and practice it, you can hardly be called a Quaker. Mm. If you're looking for a religion that uh, will not place any demands on you, how about the Unitarians? They seem to believe in everything and nothing. You used to be a Unitarian. Yeah, and uh, the, honestly, the uh, the Unitarian uh, Church here just b- did not do it for me. So is this uh, is this true? I mean, I'm uh, new to this whole Quaker thing, Mark, and I'm, I'm I'm slowly learning about it over time. And it's thanks to questions like this that that help me understand better. So is, he's saying that Quakers are supposed to be pacifists. Um, entirely, yes. Uh, pa- Quakers' uh, b- biggest, uh, you know, probably the, the the thing that they're most known for is their their peace testimony, and uh, that they, uh, you know, by and large, are pacifists. Yeah, in a book I read about the uh, involvement of the Quakers in abolishing the slave trade, they were on a ship, a group of Quakers, and the ship was coming under attack from another uh, enemy uh, ship that was out in the ocean. And the Quakers all went down below the decks because they would not assist in even defending themselves against this attacking ship. Mm-hmm. One of the members went up on deck and did decide to uh, do that. They were able to outrun him, but he was heavily ostracized by the other Quakers for being willing to, to fight for giving in to his fear. So did he just outrun them, or did he I mean, did the, he just steer the ship? Yeah, the ship was able to outrun them, and there was no battle, but this one guy... So you're not oh, even supposed so to run? To, so he went up there to fight. He went up there to fight. The okay. Quakers went down below the decks, and it wasn't a Quaker ship. It was somebody else's ship that they were getting right. passage on. So that's how far they would take it, is, you know, they would, I guess, put put their lives in God's hands and, and hope that it all works out. So that means that, Mark, uh, I mean, you've said before, and I still feel this way, that defending your loved ones from uh, from attacks is an appropriate thing to do. Would that mean that you are not, in, in point of fact, a Quaker? Well, um, I don't think that, uh, that, that that one's Quakerness entirely hinges on that, is- on that issue, the entire, you know, non-resistance thing. I think that it's interpreted by different, different people in different ways. There are lots of Quakers that believe exactly what this gentleman's talking about. So, well, and there are some that believe otherwise. Okay, so you've said before that the Quakers are to, uh, they, they believe in following their inner light. Yes. So would, uh, you know, could somebody say that they just went on a mass killing spree and that they were following their inner light and that they're a Quaker? I mean, would that, would anybody believe them? I I think they could easily claim that. I don't think yeah. that they would, you know, I don't think it would go well for them. Uh, in you know, for one, they go to prison, um, and uh, you know, I don't. I and what are, what's the interpretation of? Is there some sort of Quaker text, uh, like the the Christians have their Bible that these Quakers are relying on to determine the, their tenets? What what are they interpreting? Well, um, as as it said, Quakers have no creeds, but they do have some uh, philosophies. The philosophy of uh, of peace, um, uh, equality, community, and right. simplicity. Right, simplicity, plainness. What um, and these are important to them. Uh, there's a document called uh, Faith and Practice that are put out by the uh, the, the sort of these regional meetings that they have um, in you know on an annual basis. And that is a an important book to them. Obviously, many Quakers uh, use the Bible as a religious text, um, but there are Quakers of all different types of religions currently. So you know, it's 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 a religion that uh, you know people follow their inner light, and in a lot of ways, it's the practice um, of how they uh, commune with uh, with God rather than anything else, how they worship. So. 
let me see if I'm under, uh, understanding this. So they say that uh, Quakers are supposed to be simple. One Quaker could uh, claim to be could they could they claim to be a better Quaker because they're living a more simple life? I mean, uh, Sam, you were telling us about the this flashy bicycle that uh, you're looking at buying <laughs> here. Uh, you've got a very nice car. I drive around uh, what it would be in comparison a beater. Am I a more of a uh, a Quaker than uh, than Sam is? I don't think that Quakers engage in that kind of conversation. Who's right. more Quakerish than the other? But if but if this guy is saying that Quakers believe in uh, complete nonviolence. There's no there's no uh, leeway on that one. Like with simplicity, you could there's, say, well, I'm still living a pretty simple life, even though I drive a nice uh, car. Oh, but hold on. In the meeting uh, this weekend, the the ter- the idea of simplicity was brought up, and the guy commented that it really means oneness with uh, with God or with the source. So you know, maybe it's not in the terms that you're thinking of. Although nonviolence and you know pacifism essentially is pretty clear. There have been times in uh, history where Quakers have been more uh, rigorous in their interpretations of their rules than they are currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I, I've got to say that essentially Quakers have different beliefs. You can, <laughs> you can have ten Quakers in a room, ask them the question, and you'll get ten different answers on um, you know, any one of these things. You what know, does simpleness mean to you is really what's most important. You know, the further I go along and study these ideas, the harder and harder it is for me to defend my use of aggression or violence in almost any situation. I mean, there there's there are fewer and fewer situations out there where I'd say, okay, yeah, I would resort to violence here. Right. I agree. I tend to agree with that as well. I'm finding myself in that exact same position. But at the same time, if you know some rapist is uh, attacking uh, my girlfriend, well, then I. <laughs> I understand. I'd like to do what I can to stop that. I think that libertarians fall into this kind of trap of, well, um, you know, focusing on the time that they can use force because it's even in the 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 pledge that one makes when one joins the libertarian party that I will not uh, use force for political or social um, you know gains. I will not initiate force. Well, that means that if somebody initiates force on me, that I can use force. And they they seem to con- concentrate on that one minute bit. If you take that little that that period of time away, you know, that, that opportunity, if you take that away, then you'll concentrate on the, 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 the peace, peaceful aspect of uh, libertarianism as opposed to the violent aspect of it. Because you know as well as I do that, uh, you know, when it comes to dealing with the government, that violence isn't going to work yeah. the vast majority of the time, if ever, um, in dealing with the government. So, therefore, you're left with this weird circumstance of, you know, the, the rapist killer guy breaking into the house defending him from the girlfriend. I'm not saying it's never happened in human history. I'm just saying that the likelihood of it happening to you is extraordinarily slim. So, um, you know, if, if you were to say, I just don't, I'm just nonviolent, and then if the situation arises, you do what you can to prevent harm, then I, I think that you're, you're, you're still well within the bounds of uh, the tenets of the Quaker religion. Let's go quickly to the amp line, unscreened call. you got about 20 seconds. Go. Hi, uh, I just wanted to briefly talk about uh, the topic that came up yesterday regarding the audit the Fed bill. And there was a bit of a discussion about, you know, inside the system activism versus outside. And uh, uh, briefly, I just wanted to say that I, I think it's a bit of a false dichotomy. The overwhelming majority of us are not so busy doing outstanding activism at the time that we can't take the time to do both. So I think we can all participate in both forms of activism, uh, or most of us can. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, it has been Ian with you. And Sam, I am. And Mark. Back tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. And visit Sam at obscuredtruth.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. 
Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.